Hi, everyone. Welcome to Metaphysical. Everyone loves a good story about Bigfoot, but did you know that there's basically a triangular paranormal zoo in southeastern Massachusetts that's home to not only Bigfoot, but also Thunderbirds, enormous snakes and cats, hellhounds, monsters, and so much more. The encounters with these Bridgewater Triangle cryptids are strange, so we'll be talking about all of them, plus a little-known North American creature called the Puckwudgie. Join remote viewer John Vivanco and me, investigative researcher Rob Counts, for a show that's out of this world. And, and, and please make sure, wherever you're listening or watching this show, to subscribe to us, leave us a five-star rating, because the more you do this, the further we can expand. Thank you, guys. John, how are you doing? Good. The Puckwudgie. This is the, the show we've been waiting for. I just, I, you know, Heather, you know, well, everybody knows Heather. She's, you know, my partner in all this remote viewing business stuff. And she does a lot of really amazing work as a remote viewer um, and and on camera and everything. But anyway, she's she's going crazy about the Puckwudgie. She really loves the Puckwudgie. She wants to talk about the Puckwudgie all the time. All the time. That's so great. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it was that little pot belly thing, you know? Well, that is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you, uh, okay, we're g actually, we have to get into the puck wedgies last. I hate to do I that. Know, I know. We but, have you know, to just because there's, there's so much data that John has that no one has on this. Right. We're going to come full circle with the data. Like, you have to listen to the first episode. Okay. You've got to listen to the first episode of this because. We're going to come full circle with the data that goes right into the puck wedgie. Yes. And, you know, talking about cryptids, there's really, you know, you, you can't really talk about cryptids unless you talk about the, the, the grandpappy of all cryptids, which is Bigfoot. And there have been tons of Bigfoot sightings around the Hockamock Swamp and the, Free, the Freetown State Forest area. Uh, and, and these are sightings from all kinds of people. I mean, there are people that go out there that we've we've seen in, in a bunch of these documentaries and things that are actually taking footprints from their backyards. They see strange things found half eaten. Um, you've got one encounter of Bigfoot seen eating a pumpkin in a crouching position. Um, I mean, you know. What is it? Why is Bigfoot drawn to this place, John? Or is just Bigfoot everywhere and they're just happening to see him in this area? Bigfoot's everywhere, just in general. Like what we've seen, like That's Bigfoot, they're, yeah, everywhere. Anywhere you find a forest big enough and with, with enough resources, there's going to be a Bigfoot. But on the other side of it, Bigfoot, my, okay, so when you, I, I've said this before, but like when you get to the research organization type stuff around Bigfoot, they really want to go to the flesh and blood side. It's, it's, a, it's a lot like how people want to believe UFOs are nuts and bolts, right? There, there's always these two camps. No, UFOs are like paranormal type phenomena. They're not nuts yeah. and bolts or it's not for people. It's got to be one way or the other way, one way or the other way. And, and it's got to stay in its little box. Um, but Bigfoot, what we see, what we find with remote viewing data, um, as well as tons of reports out there that don't get really looked at are, is this huge paranormal aspect to it. And so I think that there are some that fully live here, fully live here as flesh and blood creatures. But then I think there are some because they've decided to, they've decided to. Now, I don't necessarily believe that in the Bridgewater Triangle area, you're going to find a lot of the flesh and blood side. I think it goes a, more into one that's traversing dimensions. So the big, the amount of big sightings that you have out there, um, I think that they are moving back and forth in, through hmm. that veil in that zone. And I think that's why you have a lot of the sightings there in that region. Now, like in the Pacific Northwest, when you get to like Washington State, for instance, and all the Bigfoot sightings there. I think a lot of those out there are like just living. They've like that. That is where they are. That is where they live. I don't. But how are they so elusive unless they have some ability to, like you kind of said, go back and forth? Now, if Bigfoot is real, right? Which personally, I, I think there's too many accounts for this thing to not be real. I mean, why are we avoiding taking into account the massive amount of of 
of people that have come out and said that they've seen something they can't explain. Well, I, I just I'm just assuming everybody out there that's listening to us believes Bigfoot's real. <laughs> like I like where you're taking this. Like, <laughs> well, I, are you going into skepticism? I just think that there's a lot of people that that are skeptical, and I'm trying to bring them into a world that they may not be completely comfortable with or or right. or believe. And you know because- why they're skeptical? Because they're sitting on their armchairs and they're watching people on TV tell them something about it instead of actually going out themselves to see. There's Mm. the big problem, right? People always place an authority figure in front to tell them what is and what isn't. I'm no authority figure and I never want to be an authority figure. All I want to do is inspire people to do something different. But if a person... I mean, we got tons of armchair researchers out there, tons of armchair opinions out there. And most of those fall according to what the popular mindset is, right? It can't be real because we would have discovered it. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Okay, sure. That's the end of story for that person. I always love that argument when we're talking about the vastness of space. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. So, you know, I never thought much about Bigfoot until I had weird things happen. And then I'm like, oh, something's going on here, paying attention, there's something else out there. There's something going on out there. And then that's on the physical side. And then on the remote viewing side, when we start to look at these incidences where people have captured something on camera that everybody in the world argues, no, that can't be real because number one, we haven't discovered it. We've discovered everything, I hope you know. Like literally we have discovered everything and there's no room for anything else left. That's the predominant attitude of people. And you know what? If it's out there, the scientists, well, they're going to tell us. That's all there is to it. It is End a story. bizarre world we live in. It's a in. bizarre world, man. It's ridiculous. So what we've remote viewed around Bigfoot has been a flesh and blood creature. Yes, we've seen some where it's literally a person dressed up in a suit or CG, like computer graphic. Literally, like we've seen that in data, but then we've seen some that are, oh, this is a big, huge, massive flesh and blood creature. Absolutely. Then we've seen some that it is a big, huge, massive flesh and blood creature who has this ability to sense and seek out those thin veiled zones so it can slip into another world, another dimension in order to hide. Yeah, it's, um, I I think... I do. I think it's strange that that people are so averse to something new. It's like humans are just set up to reject anything that science hasn't told them it's there. But but historically, too. I mean, because because I I do believe science is the is the new religion to some extent. I mean, look how the people attack you when you come out with an idea or when you challenge ideas that are already. Right. that, That are already kind of set, but that are also theories they, they'll 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 use the argument that oh this is just a theory and then turn around and criticize you for challenging the theory it doesn't make sense it's a gigantic contradiction i think science will largely be seen as a religion in the future that that yeah is going to get challenged more and more personally yeah. because it's just yeah. gone so far to an extreme Love it's gotten that dramatic yeah yeah it i is. mean sci- scientific process is one thing that's one thing yeah. Um, but the dogmatic side really has taken over a lot of this stuff. Uh, it's, it's very strange. Um, I don't know. That's, okay. So, that's not so a real picture of Bigfoot. It should be, though, but it's not. <laughs> There's a picture that, that Lindsay brought up of it. Looks like, it looks like Bigfoot in one of these old Godzilla movies. I like, I like the pictures of um, the $6 million man fighting Bigfoot. Those that is best. probably the best GIF out yeah. there, actually. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay, well, you guys, there is also probably one of the crazier Bigfoot encounters that I've heard coming out of the Bridgewater Triangle, and that is from a cop who um, was sitting in his car, and he basically felt the back of his car lift up entirely so the back of his cruiser is being lift up lifted up while he's sitting inside of it he looks back and there is a gigantic beast lifting the entire end of his car up and then releases it um now 
you know, you, the more you research all of this and you look into it, the cop never came forward himself. But there are people because everyone knows everyone in that area. There are people that know the police officer, the daughter, I think, of the police officer actually came forward and said that that's completely legit. that This happened. Um, there are there are other stories like this. I mean, not just in that area. You, there, there are stories down in Florida that I've heard where skunk apes done the same thing. Yeah. Skunk apes where they've attacked police officers, police cars, like crazy <sighs> stories. Of the of lights. You know, it just really depends. Like they they can be territorial, um, very, very territorial. And I, if they get agitated, then territorial agitation, you're set, you're set up for trouble. It's like the Dyatlov pass incident, you know, like Dyatlov. we had remote feud, the Dyatlov pass incident, which is that thing that happened in Russia. I can't remember the year, 1950s, 60s, something like that where those the group of hike, hikers mysteriously 59. disappeared they didn't show up where they were supposed to show up at a certain date so they went and found them basically killed and stuffed in the snow um um john has yeah. a <laughs> episode on the Diotlov pass on rise.tv that will blow y'all's minds and this is a mystery that goes back so many years and he takes you through the all of the evidence and then tells you what happened in the remote viewing i highly recommend you go check that out yeah great great check episode. It out. chronicles of a psychic spy on rise.tv so yeah I yeah mean, so it's like we see that we see that like bigfoot will get mad don't make bigfoot mad yeah or a yeti I, I find yeah. like it's like with bears or anything like anything that's living in the the wild in in snow is generally seemingly more wild than things that are not. They're more right. wild and more dangerous. Like look at a polar bear. I mean, the last thing you want to come across on the planet really is a polar bear. They will. They don't care. They'll just they'll they'll Star Wars you was the, the opening of what was that uh, Return of the Jedi where. <laughs> Luke's like in the snow and he has to fight off one of those uh, crazy snow monster things. Right, right, right. What is so like if for as far as bears go, I think it's if it's black, fight back. If it's brown, lay down. If it's white, good night. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Oh, yeah. man, that's a great, great saying and 100 percent true, according to research. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah they're vicious. They're just vicious. Yeah, they are. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's multiple different sightings, not just one, all in that area. Now, um, just to move things along here, it's not just Bigfoot that people are seeing in this area. We're, we, we're seeing strange, gigantic hellhounds as well with red eyes. Um, so hellhounds have been seen there. That, that's kind of what they're calling them. Some yeah, call but them... I mean, isn't that a dog man? Yeah, it is. But but there's so many different names. Like, isn't Dogman a werewolf? I mean, you know, like. Well, a werewolf technically is a person that's changing into a wolf during the full moon or whatever. Right. And then, you know. No, no go, I mean, right? I don't know if, if if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck. It's probably a duck. Right. <laughs> I don't know what these things are. We view them and they're like real. They're real. There was this one thing that I was reading about. Um, or no, I heard this one story about a dog man there. And it's like, all right, so here, let me just place it this way. Have you, like, when I was a kid, the, the biggest issue I thought I was going to be dealing with when I grew up was, was like, it was quicksand. Like, I thought that, like, when I was a kid, you know, I'm going to have to, like, be getting out of quicksand later on in life, so I better practice it, right? You know? I mean, didn't you think that? It's like all the dang cartoons about quicksand. Yes. So, they're terrifying. So it's like this one guy saw a dog, a dog man in quicksand in the Hockanock Swamp. Hockamock Swamp? Yeah, in the Hockanock Swamp. So it's it was Hockamock, like, I think. Hockamock, Hockamock yeah. Swamp. So there was this one area, I was reading this one story where there's like one area where uh, the power lines cut through. And you could see this area on maps. Yeah, they call um, them the big T's over there. It's like the big they call them the big T's. That's yeah, so that's so northeast. It is, but there there's something 
there's something that's the big T, but it begins. There's something that begins with T that's related to the to the to those. Yeah. Anyway, go on. I see. So I was like, so this this guy, he worked on the electrical stations there, and he had a had a dogman experience before, and he was he worked for the electrical company, and he was sent out to check on something under the big T's and in the in the swamp area. And so he had told his buddies about it, about the sighting that he had before. And so when he got out there, he kind of had a feeling they were going to try to haze him. Um, so he's out there, he's working on something in the swamp with these big power structures. And there was this thing that was in the forest that looked like a big dog. And he thought it was like a buddy in a costume, like because he thought he was getting hazed by yeah. his friends. Right. So this thing falls into quicksand and it's struggling in quicksand. He's like, oh, shoot. So he goes over there. He's like, thinks it's his friend dressed up in a suit or something. He's like, come on, gra here, grab my hand. I'll get you out. I'll get you out. And the thing's just starting to bite, try and bite him. Like, ah, 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 bite him, bite him. He's like, whoa, wait, this is not my friends playing a joke on me. This is like some weird creature stuck in the quicksand. That's a crazy encounter. That's a crazy encounter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely crazy. And and the fact that there was quicksand in the Hockamock Swamp, there what's is, not like, there? That's so true. I, I mean, that is the, such... A, I didn't even know there was a meme around this thing. Like, this is this is so funny. Because what you just said is a common thought of many people. Because of is what, that true? I did yes. not know that. <laughs> no, dude, how many movies had something to do with quicksand when we were young? Like, it was a thing. Like, like, I literally like, thought that that's what was going to be a problem. Princess Bride, great example. I watched that movie so much when I was a kid. You know, you've got Wesley here, um, uh, Dread Pirate Roberts, who's pulling he and his princess out of the sand, right? I mean... We watched that so many times and it was like a terrifying idea because how do you get out of quicksand? You don't. How, I mean, how like when you're a kid, what in your play times, you spend hours. I would spend hours every day practicing how to get out of quick quicksand. But we're like playing games like everything in, in you the do, fort that you built in the fort. Yeah, in the fort. <laughs> <laughs> everything you do as a kid is training for when you get older. You know, it's like yeah, a, I don't know, quicksand. Yeah, that's too funny. Yeah, that's so. Then there were other things like, um, you know, like in addition to the dog man, there were also these like ape like, ape like orangutan looking things. Oh, that's like the Bennington monster, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they've got. Um, I don't know. It looks like they they're they're not Bigfoot, but they look like these orange haired, strange creatures that, and more than one of them that people have encountered seeing over there. Well, that's that's like that's one of the predominant things that shows up in the Bennington Triangle. The, yes, the, the big orangutan <clears throat> orange thing hmm. that that uh, people see over there. I bet it's the same. Yeah. So the Bennington Triangle is in Vermont, if you guys didn't know. And John and I are probably going to swing over there and uh, check that out before we get over to the Bridgewater Triangle at some point when we start going on expeditions on the show. Um, lots of weird stuff going on in Bennington and lots of strange stories coming out of that area that John and I have, have, uh, have listened to. And yeah, so, you know, there was one story of the, of the, <laughs> excuse me, of the dog man. Someone had a, had a, had some ponies. They, they walk outside and there is a strange creature as large as the ponies tearing their throats out with its jaws. And the, and this creature that looks like a wolf slash dog, something or other, you know, had had killed the ponies with its with its with its teeth. I mean, pulled the throats right out of the ponies. Um, you is know, a, why, why make a story up like that when you've got this? Is this a hellhound or a dog man? I mean, but I what's know. the difference? A hellhound is not a dog man, huh? I just, I just <laughs> don't know. I mean, it's like a gigantic dog. But a lot of the dog man en encounters that we've listened to have been massive-looking dogs. You know, they, they're, I don't know. There are seem to be different classifications or different accounts of different beings. Maybe there's just so many beings 
out there of different types in these forests that we're not aware of that, you know, people are kind of starting to categorize them together. Some of these dogman encounters sound like Bigfoot, but they're not either. Right. Well, I think that, um, I think that these are the only, the ones that are, are getting seen that are having an impact on human, um, human life. I think that there are others that, that would probably be even more mind boggling to people. The ones that stay even more hidden that don't impact humans. I mean, I think you're going to find things that are <clears throat> from the lands of complete, utter, total mythology. Um, um, things that people couldn't even conceive, conceive of because that's what you find when you get into these areas. Because I, I, I do think that like stuff from mythology from what we consider mythology was, was not necessarily all, it was not mythology. It was just because two worlds were mixing more. Right. And Which, I think like, right, right there, you have a microcosm of it. Yeah. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's just bizarre, I mean, I wonder it, the story of the Bridgewater triangle has made me, really desire to go out there and talk more to local people in different areas to see what's going on because we're right. not getting the whole story. They're just, they're just telling it over there. But what's like, I really want to go down to Louisiana and start talking to people and see what's happening. There's so much bizarre right. leads happening in Louisiana. Right. I mean, they've developed zombie powder down there. You know, <laughs> you heard about all that? They developed zombie powder down zombie there. Zombie like some of these shamans down. Apparently, the stuff oh, right, is coming right, right. in from Africa, Ooh, where they're zombie. reanimating, you know, like dead things right. with this zombie powder. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too funny. The zombie powder. I don't know. I mean, yeah. When you get to Louisiana, like things get pretty crazy. A lot of the really weird dogman stories come out of that. Well, area. and and the apparently the largest community of vampires and in the states or something like if you start really trying to dig into vampires where to find vampires you 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 in louisiana you, you get to louisiana you you end up getting to louisiana and and you know what's weird is like that that series true blood was about vampires was all based in louisiana huh that's interesting i don't i didn't know i didn't know about that huh so vampires okay so we haven't looked into vampires huh well kind of because i've asked you to look into. oh uh, no that's right vlad okay. the impaler no, so, for me before okay no you're right okay I was like i need to know more about this we guy. looked into so, vlad the impaler yeah and then we looked into the woman who was the woman oh uh elizabeth bathory the elizabeth the, bathory yeah okay. the, she's like the most prolific serial killer of all time right you know. okay yeah i remember that i get it that we are aware of anyway. Right. Well, the, the um, I, I was thinking more like the conventional vampire with the teeth, like Dogman seems to be the conventional werewolf type thing, which is right. very strange. Here's the thing with Dogman that I don't quite get. I have been really interested in cryptids and all that stuff for a long time, for a long time. But I had never heard of Dogman until I was really, really deep into it, but I had should have had heard of Dogman. You have er, though. Er, early on. You have heard of Dogman because Dogman has been explained as a werewolf for centuries. So you think that that's what that is? Dogman's the werewolf. Eighty thousand people in Europe were killed for either being witches be or werewolves, like much before the Salem witch trials. Eighty thousand people were put to death. People were seeing things they couldn't explain and going crazy. Well, I think that's when the world's mixed more. Maybe. But that creature was definitely seen down there. I mean, okay. Europe. So, so you're thinking it's where, okay, got it. I mean, okay, look, I think, again, there's probably, from my research, there's multiple classifications of things that could go on. I mean, there were Norse soldiers that were getting possessed by wolves and running into war. Yeah, these exactly. guys, these now they 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 would they would take on the spirit of a wolf and you'd shoot an arrow at them and they would they they could move or catch it. Right. It was like something was, you know, there were berserkers. These right. Guys. Right. Now, that is like one example of of something that's acting more like an animal and taking on those characteristics. But that's just 
that's just like the the light the diet coke version of that right you know where you've got people in in europe who are who are getting cursed there, there's amulets involved in some of these cases and they're able to turn into that thing there's human beings turning into that thing and then there could be there could be humans that have turned into that thing because of a curse or something that's going right. on and they're existing in that state entirely we don't know and i know for some of you out there, this conversation might be getting super bizarre. I'm talking about when you're researching this stuff on a whole, what you come across. If you're like right. looking at all of the information That's up in front of you, right? So we, when I was researching werewolves, there were, yes, there were people that were just psychotic that were, lost their mind. And okay, now this is from what we're looking at on screen right now is actually from Bram Stoker's Dracula. This is Dracula as like a bat or something, part bat, part man, a beast, which was described in Bram Stoker's Dracula mm -hmm. generally. Right. Okay. You know, and, and so anyway, we've got accounts all over the world of either animals becoming bipedal and, and be having more energy and turning more human-like in China where there are were foxes, were snakes just different things like that. And then in Europe, more likely to like be where wolves. I mean, there have been some accounts of where hyenas, you could call them a dog man too, really. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and, I mean the hyenas, I mean, if you ever watch videos on hyenas, that'd be the last thing I'd want to come across is, is a hyena anywhere. They're just like the most evil, just terrible creatures. They're just it's really sneaky. Um, so yeah, I mean, what what are these things? I think there's there there's so many of them. We're just trying to find an easy way to classify them when we have a when we have a sighting, you know? Right. I mean, that's the 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 dogman thing is super super duper um, messed up and crazy from a remote viewing perspective. In fact, we stopped remote viewing dogman um, because we were looking at it a couple in a couple different incidences just to in. In order to figure out if it was real or not, um, and yes, real, but it's different than Bigfoot, like remote viewing Bigfoot. Like when you remote view Dogman, or even if you put a lot of thought into Dogman, Dogman picks it up, and it, it's 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 like a dog that's sniffing something out after that point. And that's 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 it's such like a, a paranormal weird... track on you or something. Yeah, it's like a, it, it's like it wants to track you. It wants to find you, and so. So we don't remote view Dogman anymore because of that. Um, and it also follows like there's certain there are certain people who have had repeated Dogman experiences throughout their lives, even when yeah. they move to a different area. You know? And, and I know some keep of having people. weird encounters and they keep having these weird encounters. And 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 these are people that haven't told anybody about it, but they've told me. Um, and so they're not out for like just making stuff up. And so. This is one of the weird common things about big or about dogman. You got to like really, really be careful when you begin to investigate those guys. Unless you're up for the whatever, who knows what it's going to do. Oh, man. I mean, there's some of these some of these cases of people disappearing are definitely related to dogman. There's a couple of other things I need to get through, which is that in in the I think it was the 70s or oh no, no, it was earlier than that. Uh, like in that area, there were there were accounts of giant snakes with with bodies as thick as as tree trunks, basically. And um, also one of the stranger things is like this account of Thunderbirds from the um, the Bridgewater Triangle area. So Norton Police Chief Thomas Downey was driving to his home in Easton and he's in following his shift basically. Right. So it's on a late summer night in 1971 when he spots a gigantic bird in the area, ironically known that area is, is known as bird Hill. If you can believe that, how cliche is that? That's crazy. So just at the edge of the Hockamock swamp is where this area is. Downey claimed the creature saw him and shot straight up into the sky, but not before he observed it stood over six feet tall with a wingspan of eight to 12 feet. Many think Downey saw something similar to the legendary Mothman, potentially. They don't know. Um, Native What's Americans it? in Massachusetts, though, have had a long legend of the Thunderbird. Yeah. Man-sized birds believed to possess supernatural abilities. Yeah, those are, those are 
that that legend is all over the place as for coming from native tribes um they they'll they'll do pictographs of it so yeah that that comes from all over the place um sometimes the whole thunderbird thing does get mixed up with pterodactyl uh, yeah dinosaur you know? accounts or dinosaur something. accounts yeah. yeah so it's like it's it, it's weird there's this one area in washington that i've been investigating um for uh, uh pterodactyl sightings um where in washington the, state in washington state yeah um and i and i have talked to some people who have seen who claim they have seen the pterodactyls and i actually have the coordinates of an exact location where there's a claim that pterodactyls uh during a certain time of the year fly into a river to catch fish and do this over and over again throughout the night not all the time but on occasion and these pterodactyls have um these would be like the ropen which are is a pterodactyl and they have glowing well they have like these like phosphorescent like like glowing green um spots uh like two spots on them so you can see them flying around and i keep meaning to you know get out there once things you know warm up i'm coming area. over and we're going out there. Yeah. Yeah. For I mean, sure. it's interesting like to investigate whether, whether, you know, we've remote viewed it and like the witness stories on some of these stuff with the pterodact pterodactyls. And I do think it's a crossover with the Thunderbird. And we do see that, you know, that, that people are telling the truth with, about seeing something about seeing, seeing right. something. Um, it, unless a remote viewer straight up says it's a dinosaur and even that's a deduction, but it, it's, it would be a pretty solid deduction because a person getting a flying thing is more often going to claim it's a bird in remote. Like an eagle that. or something, right? Yeah, a hawk, right, an eagle, right. a giant hawk, a giant eagle, whatever. Right. So so like if we remote view that kind of stuff, the, it's a tricky thing because remote viewers get low level information. They don't come to conclusions about things. If a remote viewer, though, came to the conclusion that there was it, that it was a dinosaur, which has happened before in these sessions, um, then I would believe it because they normally wouldn't do that. So, so that's why I say yes. Like, you know, some of the stuff truly is a dinosaur. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, you yeah. guys, it's time. I don't, we have to have a lengthy conversation about these puck wudgies. Otherwise Heather is never going to let us forget. So, now, the puck wedgies, John, can, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? We've got a story here from William Russo that was also in the in the uh, documentary, but I there is lore around these things. What are these things? Weird name. Right. What are these things? I mean, okay, so the puck wedgie is is a mythical type of creature that many like native peoples um, interacted with from the East Coast to the West Coast. And they would call them different things. Uh, but, you know, apparently this creature basically maybe, maybe, maybe like three to four feet tall. Um, some describe him as having like spikes on its back, like a porcupine. Mm -hmm. um, it typically has a pot belly and it, it would look a lot like the leprechaun uh, coming out of Ireland. So a puckwudgie is, is um, also called a little person. But I do think that within lore of Native Americans, there are different types of little people, but the Pukwudgie is one of them. Now, when you get over to the um, the tribes on the East Coast, the Wampa, what is it? The Wampanoag. Wampanoag tribe. The Pukwudgie is, is supposedly somewhat of an enemy, can be very um, trickster. Mischievous. Yeah, mischievous, lead you to your own death, um, harass you, kill you even. Uh, person yeah, will kill you so it, according to the one of the um accounts i heard about what they are at least that they over time the native americans just started blaming the puckwudgie for anything that went for wrong. anything it's yeah. like the gremlin it's like yeah. the story of a gremlin so these so uh, you know with that with this that particular tribe that inhabited that area i think it's a fascinating story with the um moshop moshop the giant so the native peoples were, they were, um, is it, really did you say Mo Shoop? Mo Shoop. 
Yeah. M O S H U P, I think. Moship. Hmm. Moship. So Moship was a giant and had a lot of power, and the native peoples revered this giant. And the Pukwudgies got jealous and started to attack the natives, um, became enemies of the native peoples. And then the Pukwudgies um, um, basically got picked up by Moship and just tossed all over the, all over the United States, United States. Guess, North America, right? Tossed all over the place. And from then on, the Pukwudgie have had a very bad relationship uh, with the native peoples. So, but, you know, when you get to other areas, there is no bad relationship. Native peoples don't have a bad relationship. So it's, it's kind of interesting that the variation in this story, hmm. even, you know, on the West Coast of the U.S. is like the little people, the stories of the little people, which is really interesting, really, really interesting. You know, you go into the forest, you go off trail, you can see little footprints. You got to be careful. These guys have little spears and little knives and little bows and arrows, too. So kind I've like, heard. Uh, what's that? Was it in the willow? Those little guys? Yeah. In willow? <laughs> yeah. Like in, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, voices. too, because like in the first episode, I was talking about Lucy Thompson. And the native woman uh, from the Mount Shasta area who wrote the book uh, of her history. And when they, one area where she, in the book, she said they crossed the land bridge. There were giants here. There were also a tribe of little people, short statured people that they called the Wagas. I don't know if they're Pukwudgie or not. Okay. So I don't know if they're Pukwudgie, but, but she described these beings as being very tight with the natives after they came over and they would help them understand like what plants to eat, where to hunt, et cetera. And so much so that the tribes became very close at a certain point. What happened was, this is according to her book, the Waga said, it's time for us to go. We have to leave and we have to go home. And so the Wagas set up these stone monuments for the native peoples to wait at because at a certain point in the future, they would come back through them. Okay, so they could be Pukwudgies. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But now the deal here is that the data from you know all of the stuff around Bridgewater Triangle is a little bit like this, where the Pukwudgie come in and out, in and out, they, they, they normally exist in another dimension. And like the story with Lucy Thompson, these beings were going back to their home dimension. That's where they were going because they knew how to cross over, right? It's the same with the Pukwudgies. In fact, the data on the Pukwudgie that we have relates to them hiding specifically in that area. Like they live in that area when they come out to be physical in the hockamock swamp or in, in the free freetown state in the hockamock swamp specifically mm. like like in our data when, when you go back to the first episode and i'm talking about the area with the caves and the tunnels between the caves mm, yes the, there are literally like there's in that zone there's a huge transition zone and a lot of the transition zone can occur underground and the Pukwudgie go in and out of that area. That's what our data was saying. And they're literally, like the viewers were describing um, um, tribes of them that are prehistoric. Like they're beyond time. They're literally beyond time. And they're prehistoric. And they're coming in and out of these underground caverns in the Hockamock Swamp area. But why come back to a place that's so populated like this? Over there, I mean, not necessarily, not so much. You know, they're also considered shapeshifters, you know, where they can turn into balls of light, just like um, Bigfoot. Bigfoot, same thing. Bigfoot can put its consciousness into a ball of light, just like the Pukwudgie can. They all come from the fae realm. Mm. They all come from the same realm. And like Lucy Thompson's story with the Wagas, they went back to the fae realm, most likely, or a realm very closely associated with that. You hear these stories all the time what's when you their, really dig in. What's their goal? Like, what are they, what, like, okay, so there's, a, I have a few questions here. So first of all, we need to go over this account from William Russo in 1990, because it's probably yeah, yeah, please the do best that. account of, of Pukwudgie that we have actually. Exactly. It happened in Massachusetts. So William Russo, 
1990, he'd always walk his dog and rein him after he got off of work at around midnight. So that night, he took a different route from usual, going through these tall trees that we were calling the tall T's. Remember the the uh, the the big T's or whatever, where all big the electrical, tees. yeah, the electrical, uh, you know, lines go. And um, he's cutting through to a street, and as he approached the road, he sees, well, his 90 pound dog. It's not a small dog. It was shaking like a leaf. So there in the center of the streetlight, casting a 10-foot circle in the road was this hairy creature. Three to foot, three to four feet tall. It had a pot belly, just as described. Okay. So it's three to foot, excuse me. So it's three to four feet tall. It's got a pot belly. It's kind of naked. Its face is like a chipmunk. And it's saying this like Ewan Chu thing. It's like Ewan Chu, Kia, Kia, like this thing. He, 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 he kind of recounts this. And it's sort of over time like beckoning to come closer, which probably wasn't a good idea. I mean, honestly, if these things are actually leading people to their death, we don't know. Anyway, he didn't have the, he didn't have the, the courage to really go. But he, he turned away. He went home. He stayed up all night wondering what the heck just happened. Um, and later on in his life, much later, he he kind of put a blog out about this, and this is how the the director of uh, of Bridgewater Triangle found him. Right. So the Pukwudgie was like trying was speaking English, and yeah, and it is thought that. Well, we yeah, because it kept saying here, yeah. here. We want we you want here, you here, here. Yeah, come we here, want like, you. Here. Yeah, come here. And so it is it, it, thought that the Pukwudgie used to have uh, better language capability. They could speak somehow used to be able to speak with the native peoples. But I guess this Pukwudgie learned English, trying to speak English, which is really, really fascinating. And, you know, in the data, it's like what these beings are doing is that they're choosing to live in both worlds to go back and forth because there's going to be different things. It's like fairies. It's like, it's like gnomes. It's like leprechauns. Like they will sometimes be here. They will sometimes exist in our realm doing things whatever they're doing, collecting things, and then going back to their realm. And I think that a lot of them will, will spend a heck of a lot of time here and then go back to theirs if there's any trouble, just in general. So, And so yeah. it's like their home has always been in the Bridgewater. I mean, why don't we see, it's just, we're not seeing- That's their home. That's, that's literally their home. their home. It's like like when we test on like like what's behind the phenomena in the Bridgewater Triangle, we get all of the, you know- the, the, the normal things that we see in highly energetic geological situations at our areas, but then inexplicably, inexplicably in the data, we have Pukwajis that are literally like in the whole area. Like there is Pukwaji activity. They're like mad according to our data. They're, they live there. They use that zone to go in and out of. That's their home. That's what they do. And that was just very strange to me. I mean, I was I was not expecting that in the data. Not at all. Not even close. Yeah. And how, how are they avoid being seen? Are they is it like you said, they're shape shifting into something else or it's they like just don't want to be seen? You don't always see fairies. Sometimes you'll see a fairy, but these things will disappear. You so know, somehow, just... some way. They just why disappear. not interact with humans? Because we're crazy and we'll kill them and eat them or something. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, the data in the data it specifically said humans are not ready to see me. Really? Yeah. People aren't ready. Look, they want to go shoot Bigfoot for proof. Come on. Yeah. Like, OK, let, let the being be what it is. Be friends with it. Like that's where you have to start, not shoot it for proof, because you know what? We're the smartest animal there is and nothing else you know, can get around us. And if there is something out there, we got to shoot it and kill it in order to get proof. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to live like that. I would hide from humans too, right? Yeah, it's like exactly. You can't even be a lion in Africa without people going over there and hunting you for no reason. Exactly. Zero reason. It's not like you're eating them. It's just for the sport, right? Right. So, so yeah, it's... um. That's crazy. And and it seems, yeah, more probable that they would hide than they would allow themselves to be seen or have any kind of relationship, especially in today's world, right? If those right. things are real, why would you ever like humans believe in so little 
anything new, it's just like kill. Right. Kill. That that's the reaction. Look, look, science, all science does is kill to get its evidence of of what to do. Right. It doesn't know how to do anything else. It's like, oh, we need to try this new medicine. Let's kill all of these mice and experiment on all of them. Why right. isn't anyone calling it out? It's the most bizarre thing. It's like it's a this like science is based around killing the entire thing is about killing to find evidence it, it's like even with cern we were talking about cern a couple of weeks ago or whatever cern is like oh let's bash these particles together and destroy them to see what other particles are around there and we can get this evidence you know the atomic bomb let's split this atom and destroy it in order to get this gigantic amount of energy you don't know what's happening there right. not really but it's all like kill, destroy everything. It's weird, right? It is weird. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how do you, I just wonder, you know, maybe there's these ancient civilizations where their science wasn't based off of destruction, but ours very much is. So, so when people often ask, well, if this was true, why wouldn't more people see it? You know, right. if any where's being, the evidence of it? Yeah. If any being has half of a brain, they're going Which to notice they, they, they have high intelligence. They all have high intelligence. They're not stupid. They all have language capability. Um, they all understand what humans are and what humans do. And we are not ready for them. I mean, shockingly, shockingly, the Pukwudgie thing is something that is literally described across every session that we looked at on that swamp. No, let me ask you a question. Are they sentient and benevolent or are they tricksters? <laughs> or both. It, it, depends on who, it, it depends on who you come across. See, sometimes fairies, for instance, can be considered tricksters or they can be very kind. Um, sometimes leprechauns can be. It's that realm. There's something about that realm that they're all coming from that they can be very playful and trickster-like as well as kind and friendly. And so I think it really depends on, well, probably number one, how you approach these beings. Number two, it's going to be their own general attitude about humans. So, mm. so. Or the whether they've gotten burned ever, right? I mean. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, in the data, we didn't see anything about them being trickster-like. We just basically got data around humans just aren't ready for this kind of thing. Not ready. Not ready at all. And they're not. Unfortunately, it's sad. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It's sad, but it is what it is. I mean, it's like they're smart to protect themselves. At the same time, must be difficult having a home like Hockamock Swamp and then having to avoid humans as much as they do if they're there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, I know. I know. Crazy. So what do these things look like? Is it like that drawing that we keep seeing of the Iwan Chu guy? You know, like, yeah, it's okay. So it seemed more like that. Like, like in the data, there was nothing about spikes on the back, porcupine looking, but they are called shapeshifters, right? They, they, mm. they apparently can't, people say they can't shift their shape. Yes. It looked more like that. It looked like, um, like almost like a mini Bigfoot. I was going to say mini Bigfoot. Yeah. I mean, it looked it looked so, like what this guy described it as. Okay, so, so let me let me ask you a question. This, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little excited here. In Australia, they have a cryptid that we don't necessarily have here, or maybe it is this. It's called a Yowie. It's like a little yeah. mini Bigfoot. Is this the same well, thing as a Yowie, or is that different? No, it's different. It's different than a Yowie. Yeah, the Yowie is sort of like. A Bigfoot that's probably not getting enough food. Nutrition. <laughs> not enough nutrition. No, I, I, I oh, shouldn't man. say that. I'm going to get it from the Australians. Because <laughs> they're in the Australian outback and they refuse no, to eat kangaroo. I don't, no, the Yowie's just like a different... Um, a Species. different. No, it's, just, it's, it's a Bigfoot, but it just has a genetic variation for I the see. region. Yeah, specifically for that region. But no, Yowie can be really, really big too. Like as big as the Bigfoot we have here. Typically, they're probably a little oh, bit that's, smaller. Look at that photo. Is that is that's that from crazy. Australia? Where is this photo taken, Lindsay? That's one of the clearer images of Bigfoot I've ever seen, if that's real. Yeah. This is Australia, reportedly, allegedly, unless it's a guy in a suit. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's real unless, of course. We, it's real unless there's a guy in a suit. Thanks, Rob. That was the most intelligent thing that you've said. All show. 
<laughs> Lindsay set me up for that one. Um, all right. Yeah. So very weird. So these, these uh, puck wudgie guys are in ancient native American lore. You guys at home can go look into this stuff. They were convinced that these things were real. John and his team of remote viewers have confirmed that, that these things are entering that the Hockamock swamp is their home. But what do you guys think? Please definitely like leave us a note in the comments below. Tell us your tell us your stories. If you have stories in your area of things that have happened, we want to know. We want to go visit this area eventually on this show. And we want to research the things that no one's willing to research. So please do comment below. And um, yeah, John, is there anything else that you wanted to explain to us about the Puckwudgie before we wrap up this episode? Well, I mean, just everybody out there, Rob and I are going to go on a sticker run and create stickers that say, you know, love the puck wudgie. So go to our website. I'm just kidding. It's going to say puck wudgie or get a puck wedgie. Exactly. Puck wudgie, puck wedgie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys, um, thanks so much for hanging out with us. This was a four part episode of the Bridgewater triangle. We didn't even hit everything. There is more that goes back even further. Uh, but y'all can research that yourself. And I think we've shed some light on some things that other um, other shows have not been able to shed light on. And I hope that you found this interesting and uh, and yeah, and, and educational about this area of the Northeast that I grew up in and that I love. John, uh, thanks so much for being with us and uh and telling us everything that you found it's crazy, fascinating stuff. It's and weird. I can't wait to go research some of this stuff with you. All right, you guys. Well, that'll wrap it up. And we hope you thought this episode of Metaphysical was as out of this world as we did. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.